First Person is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, who rejoice in the stories of changed lives through the power of Jesus Christ. Learn more at febc.org. Because Jesus resurrected in a deathless body, we too will someday have a deathless body. I coined a new term, a body that is undiable. That is the kind of body we will have someday, a body that is undiable. Happy Easter to all of our first-person listeners. I'm Wayne Shepherd, And coming up now, a conversation about the reasons to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We'll talk with apologist Jeremiah Johnston. Thank you for joining us for this week's interview. We meet a variety of people each week who all share a deep and meaningful relationship with the Lord and seek to serve Him in a special way. If you're a new listener, please know that we've archived hundreds of interviews at firstpersoninterview.com, which you can access without any obligation. Click on the red Listen Now button at firstpersoninterview.com. Jeremiah Johnston is president of the Christian Thinker Society and pastor of apologetics and cultural engagement at Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas. He's written a book titled Body of Proof, The Seven Best Reasons to Believe in the Resurrection of Jesus and Why It Matters Today. We'll place additional information and links to the book in our program notes at firstpersoninterview.com. Jeremiah joined me recently online for this first-person conversation. You know what? I have the honor of being an apologist, which means I love to help every believer and follower in Jesus Christ love God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the job of the apologist is to make sure that Christianity connects up well with the questions our culture is asking about the faith today. And so it doesn't mean I'm some kind of Delta Force Christian. It means everyone listening to us across 500 stations right now, being able to understand their faith where they can answer even their own pressing questions and then have comfortable faith dialogues with others based on the evidence for Christianity. I understand you have an opportunity to teach young minds these important truths too. That's exactly right. I've been a professor at both grad school in Canada and also to Division One University uh, in Texas, but uh, very happy now to be at Prestonwood Christian Academy. Um, I'm very concerned about Generation Z being a dad of five of them, and so I'm Dean of Spiritual Development. So I have a very hands-on approach with biblical worldview integration at the unit level across the 850 units we teach our 2,400 students. And I have the opportunity to uh, also use that material in schools across the country when I have the opportunity to minister. Well, I contacted you because here we are on Easter weekend, and it's so important to think clearly about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's it's the foundation of everything we believe as, as Christians, and yet sometimes we don't really fully understand it and don't pay enough attention to it or are unable to express why we believe it to other people and defend it. So that's why we wanted to have you on today. You've written the book, Body of Proof, The Seven Best Reasons to Believe in the Resurrection of Jesus and Why It Matters Today. Tell me about putting this book together. You didn't just throw this together in a couple of weeks, did you? (laughs) Uh, No, I didn't. Um, I had the opportunity to study at the Intellectual Jerusalem, that is Oxford. I finished my doctoral residency there way back in 2012. And did a PhD on the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus, 93,000 words. I heard every argument there is against the resurrection of Jesus and have never been more iron-fisted in my personal belief that Jesus physically bodily resurrected that first Easter morning. And the really neat thing is then, as, as a Christian thinker, 
is to be able to connect that great evidence of our faith as the key to our ethics, our joy, and our hope. And so this new book, Body of Proof, it's actually the shortest book I've written. I'm, I've authored 13 titles, um, but I love it because in about four hours of reading, you're going to know more than 85% of Christians know. You're going to be brought current on all of the research, but much more importantly than that, it's going to intersect your life in ways that you couldn't even have imagined. I, I really do believe that the resurrection of Jesus, and I don't just say this because it's Holy Week, I believe the resurrection of Jesus is sadly underpreached and understudied in the church at large today. And yet it anchored everything about our faith, as you rightly said. I mean, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the center point of a Christian world and life view. So if you're interested in having a biblical worldview, we have to all up our game in understanding the truths, the evidence for the body of proof, the resurrection of Jesus. So did you write this for Christians so that we can defend our own faith? Or did you write this for the unbeliever or the skeptic to uh, find some answers they might be looking for. You know, it's interesting. Um, I feel like in my heart, I mostly wrote it for believers, but all of the feedback I'm receiving from seekers, even from skeptics is blowing my mind. Um, If you don't mind me being very transparent with you, Wayne, on this program, uh, my little sister who actually uh, lives in Bourbon, Illinois with her wonderful family, um, they they work at a university there. Um, they, uh, had the terrible experience a couple of years ago of having a stillborn son, 25 weeks in the womb. And it was right about the time I was truly feeling called to finally write a book on the resurrection. But Wesley, we say his name because he's with Jesus now, yes. their stillborn son. Um, the first time Jenny Lee wrote, the first time her son opened his eyes, he saw Jesus. And so, Wesley Mulliken was never far from my mind and my little sister and the grief she was facing um, as I wrote this book on the resurrection, because it had so many promises that seemed so real in those moments. And so that's my personal view as I was reading. That's kind of what was behind, you know, in my mind. And of course, you know, I, I have a PhD in the resurrection. So the ske- the seeker or the skeptic will get all of the, the best evidences truly for the resurrection. The book even has an original contribution to knowledge um, uh, that we can get into if you want. So, but really from a practical standpoint, you know, it's amazing. If you go to Amazon, Wayne, or if anyone who's listening, there are not a lot of books just on the most important aspect of our faith, the resurrection of Jesus. There's a precious few, actually. And I think it's interesting because there's a lot of secondary theological issues where there's hundreds, if not thousands of titles. And yet this central point of Christianity is, I think, under under authored as well. So wow. I'm praying that this book is an encouragement to all of the above to answer your question. We need Truly it. am. We really do need it. And thank you for doing this. Uh, we will barely scratch the surface of what you cover in the book. And we, we have to just urge our listeners to read it themselves, to really understand uh, the, the resurrection, the facts of the resurrection, the importance of the resurrection, and how the resurrection really is the foundation for everything else that we believe, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. What do we know about how how the early church uh, addressed the resurrection, and how does that compare to today? Yeah, great question, Wayne. Um, there are 300 passages in the New Testament on the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus. So I'll put it this way, that exciting book of Acts, every sermon 
in the book of Acts was on the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. How about the promises of the Bible, specifically in the New Testament? The promise we are given with more frequency than any other promise in the New Testament is the promise of John 14, 19, because he lives, I will live also. And so, the, the the resurrection of Jesus, it's hard to understate the centrality of the belief, the teaching, and yes, the defense. Remember, G, uh, Paul himself, St. Paul is at the Areopagus in Corinth, and they mock him and ridicule him because he teaches on the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus. He was able to defend it. And so, what's fascinating to me is someone who looks at these things through a critical lens. That doesn't mean skeptical. It means truly, can we trace the history of this? The resurrection of Jesus mobilized the early church to become the greatest force for good on planet Earth. It didn't just impact their hearts in a spiritual way. It became the bedrock of Western civilization um, with the rights, the equality, etc., that that belief living out that resurrection faith brought to the communities uh, where that message is proclaimed. What have you discovered outside of Scripture that supports the resurrection of Christ? You know, what's fascinating, um, what, there are several things before we ever open up the New Testament. And again, I believe the New Testament is a historical document, without a doubt. I make that. And it is enough. It's, it's yeah. sufficient in and of itself. Well, I understand Absolutely. that, right. However, it's really neat that if, you know, Christianity, unlike any other religion in the world, Islam doesn't do this. Uh, any of the made in America cults and 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 uh, uh, made in America fake religions, they don't do this. They avoid intersection with archaeology and evidence. Christianity puts itself to the historical test and says, "Hey, these things really happen." And because of these evidential facts, because there was a Jesus, he did exist. He did die on a Roman cross, which is that that is the best established fact of the ancient world without even opening the Bible. We can build somewhere over 50 facts about the life, the death, the burial, and yes, the resurrection of Jesus within a hundred years of his life before we even open the Bible. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Tacitus, Suetonius, Josephus. I mean, these are some of the first century and second century evidences that we have before we even open the Bible. And then when we look at things, you know, like archaeology, the material culture, the Jewish burial traditions, uh, all it does is bolster everything we read about in the Gospels. We'll continue this conversation with Jeremiah Johnston about his book, Body of Proof, coming up on First Person. Here's Ed Cannon on the vision for FEBC's weekly podcast. The primary purpose of Until All Have Heard, of course, is to share the experience that FEBC has because we have staff on the ground in so many oppressive places. But in addition to that, we're trying to speak to you in a way that only the kind of testimonies you'll hear from around the globe can do. Discover how the gospel is making a difference around the world. Search for Until All Have Heard on your favorite podcast platform or hear it online at febc.org. My guest is Jeremiah Johnston, who is the author of Body of Proof, The Seven Best Reasons to Believe in the Resurrection of Jesus and Why It Matters Today. One thing I didn't mention is you were president of the Christian Thinkers Society. I didn't know about this. Tell me about what this is. Uh, you know, I was the first member of the Christian thinker. Oh, oh so you started because, it. <laughs> yeah, I started it because I wasn't a Christian thinker, Wayne, and I wanted to be. I mean, I was a Christian, but I didn't consider myself 
uh, to be a Christian thinker. I wasn't able to defend my faith like I wanted to. I loved Jesus, but I wanted to know more. And I started a ministry, and people now are like, oh, how did you get this brand? You know, what consultant group did you use? I was sitting in Oxford, living in a flat, had no money for consultants. But let me tell you, I was listening to the Holy Spirit, and God said, Jeremiah, you and Audrey are going to start the Christian Thinker Society to teach Christians to be thinkers and thinkers to become Christians. And I was the first member, and my wife was the second member, and now it's grown to an international organization where we resource and equip believers to know more about the faith, to answer their most difficult questions. I'll be in Florida uh, this weekend ministering. There's all kinds of events that we do across the country. We love partnering in media with great Christian thinkers like yourself, Wayne. And uh, it's a ministry that truly is geared to help everyone be a Christian thinker, and then to equip them and resource them to do that. So a big part of our ministry is doing that, resourcing believers with the evidence and the great, wonderful claim, truth claims of our faith. What was it like to defend your dissertation at Oxford? It was very intimidating, Wayne. Um, I'm not going to lie. Half the words that my uh, examiner, who took the train from Cambridge, used were Latin. It was a quintessential snowy December day in Oxford. And the very, and I write about this story in Body of Proof because, you know, it's, it was fascinating to me to learn that there are, quote, Bible scholars in the world who write commentaries and don't believe in the miraculous. Uh, they don't, they've denied several of the tenets of the faith, and yet they still claim to be Bible scholars. And this individual who they set up to examine me, and the, a PhD in the UK is pass-fail. You can never do, there are no do-overs. Okay. So, you got to make sure uh, they give an M-fill if you don't pass your PhD, especially in the UK, in the UK uh, situation. And first question my examiner, Professor Telford, asked me was, Jeremiah, do you actually believe in the resurrection of Jesus, or is that just imaginative storytelling? And you said, did you not read it? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a minute, do you actually believe all this you're writing? And I said, Professor Telford, yes. David Hume says, wise men choose probabilities. Without a doubt, the evidence leads me to believe Jesus physically, bodily rose from the dead. I believe it with all my heart. The evidence points to it. And he looked at me and he said, I don't see it that way. Let's start your defense. Hmm. And so uh, he asked me with commendation. I, I appreciate him and maintain friendship with him these last dozen or so years. And what's really cool um, is, I mean, this is first rate scholarship. I spent my life, I mean, a PhD knows a lot about a little, by the way, uh, and the little I know a lot about is the resurrection, and I want believers to know the great evidence for our faith. And we can, yes, we should say because the Bible says so, but we should be able to also back that defense up and be able to share the gospel in a robust, rigorous, persuasive way. And then just the joy that I have every day to live a resurrection-centric life, not just on Holy Week like we're doing right now, but all the weeks. I mean, I was thanking God for Easter at Christmas time. There is no Christmas without Easter. <laughs> so, uh, very, very appreciative of the research. Um, I am I, that undergirds the book. I mean, I have you know academic works that I've written for dozens. <laughs> you know, as it relates to resurrection. So. Gary Habermas, who's thought to be the world's greatest expert on the resurrection, was kind enough uh, to write the foreword. So, I just am praying, I, and I would appreciate those who are listening to join me in praying. The Body of Proof will help pastors and the church catch up um, and be encouraged by the, late, the, the best and latest evidences, fresh arguments for our faith. All right, let's pick up on a couple of points about the resurrection. Uh, and again, it's covered much more thoroughly in your book, but 
some people believe in a spiritual resurrection, not a bodily one. And we've, we've said it several times here. It's the bodily, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why is that important? It's so important because our physical bodily resurrection is linked to Jesus's physical bodily resurrection. If And I want to say this to you, the only kind of gospel that is proclaimed in the New Testament is a gospel that proclaims a physical bodily resurrection. In fact, Tom Wright, my friend from the UK, spent over 500 pages defending what that word meant, bodily resurrection. There was no spiritual resurrection. And what's so fun about that is it has immediate application to those that are listening to our conversation right now. Because Jesus resurrected in a deathless body, we too will someday have a deathless body. I coined a new term, a body that is undiable. That is the kind of body we will have someday, a body that is undiable. It doesn't need to be upgraded. It doesn't get old. And it, we, we will live to glorify God and to seek Him all of our days and have fellowship with Him and our family and loved ones who also love Him. And so, uh, it's linked. That's why it's important. Importance. And so I get very, very uncomfortable anytime I hear any preacher, and there are a lot of them that say this and say, well, you can choose. Maybe it's a spiritual resurrection. No. Um, and there was plenty of reasons. I won't get too deep in this. I mean, the first century Jews had a lot of ghost stories. They had no problems uh, in late Second Temple Judaism believing ghost stories. And if it was a phantom or a ghost, they would have told us the authors, no, they don't. Um, they use this word physical bodily resurrection, and we should too. Yeah. So is this a major stumbling block for skeptics, uh, this whole matter of bodily versus spiritual resurrection? It's, it's one of many that they just question, to be honest with you. And that's why I want Christian. We can't read 1 Corinthians 15 with integrity, with intellectual integrity, and not see it as a physical bodily resurrection. Because if it's spiritual, you know, then, you know, if it really happened, you might be having just a spiritual experience mm-hmm. and good for you. But we're no, no, that's not what the Gospels say. What St. Paul said, there was an act in history. There was a certain day in space and time when Jesus came back to life. And because of that fact, that is the gospel, we now have hope. We have hope that's eternal. And so, yes, that's one of those hills we have to die on. It's a physical bodily resurrection. And that's why Paul said, I think it might be my favorite passage right now, 1 Thessalonians 4. You know, when our loved ones die, we grieve, but we do not grieve, Wayne, the Bible says, without hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. As an apologist, what do you think is the number one objection that people have to the resurrection? What's what's the thing that we have to overcome in talking to our friends about this this truth? That is a great question. That's one of the best questions that I have been asked. What is the what what is the biggest hindrance? People see Christianity as irrelevant to their lives. They see it as the answer to maybe their grandparents' generational questions, but not their questions today. And so, when we draw a line of the evidence for the resurrection, we have to point that immediately to the relevance of our faith today. How does Jesus being alive today impact a busy mom or dad or someone who's really struggling? And so, that's what I try to do with Body of Proof. Keep tracing these lines. Because this is true, wow, this is the key to our ethics. Because this is true, I can live in joy today. Because the resurrection is true, I can carry on in a focused life and walk in all God has for me. And so, 
it has recourse to all of these areas, but I think that's the biggest area we have to overcome as believers and show why this faith. And again, more people will attend church this weekend on Easter than who watch the Super Bowl. I mean, this is a major, major event in history. We have to be more conversant about showing why it's relevant for more than just one weekend a year. So how do we begin that conversation? What, where do we start? We begin that conversation by saying that if if Christianity was an invented religion, if it wasn't really true, you could not have began at a worse talking point <laughs> than a body coming back to life from the dead. Nobody believed in resurrection. This is why you say the disciples, if they made it up, were uh, were, were doing a bad job. Huh? Yeah, they, they, they were really bad storytellers if they were making up a story because no one would believe this. Um, and they go from dejected. I mean, the Christian faith should have ended. And, there, and I talk about this in Body of Proof. There were several other messianic contenders and pretenders in the first century. Jesus was not the only historical person who said, hey, I'm the Messiah. In fact, there were 10 in the first century, and even more if we go beyond 100 years, who claimed to be the Jewish Messiah in one way or another. Jesus backs up that claim through his resurrection. The disciples then turn the world upside down after rejecting him. And so that's where I began. I began that there was no reason to invent this narrative um, Luke twenty four twenty one. The, the 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 on the road to Emmaus, those disciples said, "You know, we had hoped he was the resurrection, but he's not. He just got killed on a Roman cross." Mm-hmm. Um, and so I begin where they were. They were doubters themselves. In fact, when you open up Matthew twenty eight, you still see that some of the disciples were still doubting, even as Jesus ascended in front of them. So, no matter where you're at today, you might be on the mountain worshiping. You might be on the mountain literally watching him ascend before you and be doubting, um, Jesus will meet you right where you're at today, and he will bring truth to you as you seek him without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, we've already said that the scriptures are enough in and of themselves, but it does uh, it does make you smile when archaeological uh, digs will find some evidence that just supports what the scripture says. You're exactly right, Wayne. I find this fascinating that and I'm very attuned to archaeology. Archaeology is the is Christianity's closest cousin. And you can today go and you will see throughout the material culture, we see more and more evidence claims being backed up by what we see in archaeology. In fact, if you go to the land of Israel, there's about 300 archaeological digs annually. Most of those are led, by the way, by atheistic Jewish or agnostic Jewish archaeologists. Fascinating thing to me, though, is they use six books to make sure they're digging in the right spot. Um, they, you know, and these are expensive endeavors. They recruit volunteers. It's about two times a year. It's during summer and, and Christmas break when college students can come and give away their time for free and volunteer. They use six books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts and Josephus <laughs> to make sure they're digging in the right spot. So I, I teach a new, I teach an awesome word, verisimilitude. Um, in other words, the gospels explain how things are very similar to the way that they were in the time of Jesus. And we see that in the archaeology and the material culture. Well, perhaps we've whetted the appetite of our listeners to dig a little deeper on this important issue, Jeremiah. So thank you. Uh, In conclusion, I would simply say he is risen. Amen. He is risen indeed, Wayne. And we believe that with all our hearts. I hope you've been encouraged to think through what we've talked about today. And it has strengthened your faith in Christ as you give thanks for his resurrection. If you'd like to know more about Jeremiah Johnston's book titled Body of Proof, please visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. You'll find a link to the book there online. 
These interviews are made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company, which proclaims the risen Christ to the world through radio and new media. Every day, millions of listeners benefit from FEBC's gospel programming and hear the Word of God in their own language. Many times, the programs reach minority languages in isolated spots that have little or no established church. You'll read about this and learn how to pray for FEBC's ministry at febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us again for First Person.